Hi, this is Amanda Burse, also known as Marcy Rhodes Darcy, and you're listening to the Married with Children podcast. Let's roll. Thanks, Dad. Can I get a whoop No Man presents, live from the nudie bar, the Married with Children podcast. And here are your hosts, Jerry, Justin, and Al. Wow, one whole season gone yet again we have just completed married with children season two we reviewed every episode from poppies by the tree to all in the family married with children season two a season which spanned over the period of uh september 27th 1987 to may 1st 1988 that's how that's the you know the whole time season two was going on now we are going to do an overview of the whole season. I am joined, as always, by Jerry. What's up, Jerry? I'm here to uh, remind everyone how good Steve is in season two. How could we possibly forget with you on the show? Well, I won't let you. And we're also joined by a guy who's waiting for a joke but doesn't get one on season wrap-up shows, Justin. What's up? I'm here to remind everybody how weak Jerry was during season two. Ooh. Whoa, whoa, shots fired weak. Oh. <laughs> I'm just kidding, buddy. This was his worst performance? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think I think you'd have to ask Reese for his worst performance. <laughs> oh! Wow. I would ask you to uh, find out yours, but your hand doesn't talk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right, all right. Do you, does it know sign language okay so uh uh well apparently jerry jerry uh, sucked from april 19th to september 6th which is how long it took us to review season two that was uh we started april 19th of season two 2017 we finished on september 6th 2017 my 38th birthday that is uh that's interesting so Today is September 13th, and it is time to wrap the season up, guys. You know how we do it. We talk about our, you know, top three favorite episodes, two least favorite episodes. We talk about things that we missed along the way that you guys filled us in on on Facebook. Like somebody will say, oh, did you guys, I guess you guys didn't realize that, you know, this person was on the show. Do you know who that is? And things like that, when the show's already in the can, we're not going to talk about it when we're reviewing something else, you know, three episodes down the road or whatever. So uh, we just save it all and we figure it's good material for this wrap-up show, you know. This is where we plug in all those holes wherever we were lacking all year long or all season long. Hottest chick on season two. Is this even a competition? I mean, it's, it's, it's the brunette chick with the pink top. And light blue bottoms from uh, the Great Escape. There's no, there's just no other choice. There's no one that's better than her. Well, let's see who we got. We got the blonde from Master of the Possibilities, who was dating the old guy when Alan Pegg were in the hot tub. 
Yeah, I mean, okay. If you if you're into like a skinny version of Anna Nicole Smith, I guess. Well, we couldn't see a lot of her, but from what we could tell, she is hot, but we just couldn't get an absolute verification of that. Now, you also have Tiffany from Earth Angel. Her, I got to say, although I'm way into her and stuff, her face is is the face of an older person in a in a bad way she kind of reminds me of someone's mom or something from the 80s so although her body is pretty hot i'm looking at it now her face just is not doing it so uh your girl your girl i'm looking at now her face is not my type either but it's definitely better looking and she's younger beyond that we have the her two friends, the one who seems like uh, a black girl, maybe, in like a pink leotard is pink mm-hmm. with black going down the sides. And then you got her white cokehead friend. <laughs> I was hoping you would make a cocaine reference because <laughs> that's what it reminded like it were like I you know what I was actually thinking? You know who she looks like? She looks like uh, the blonde uh, waitress who was hanging out with the dude for Coke in uh, Friday Thirteenth Part Five. Friday Five, yeah, yeah, they look similar. I love that girl. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have major competition, Jerry. You have what? the legendary repeat hot chick of Married Children, Jade, played by Terry Wigel, who. Yeah. We all know was in Playboy. I mean, that's a level, dude. You just don't get into Playboy because of whatever. Like, there are thousands of women trying to get in there. And your girl might have got in. I don't know. Oh, she would have got into play. She would have been Playmate of the Year. Penthouse is calling her like, come on. But she's like, well, Hustler's giving me a better offer right now. <laughs> like... Hugh Hefner is personally, like, inventing text messaging just so he can text message her, you know, what you doing. Like, get out of here. Literally, the guy who played Joey and Friends was watching this show when he came up with the catchphrase, how you doing? <laughs> he saw her, and, and that's what happened. I don't care what you say. Brunette chick in the pink top and light blue bottoms is the hottest chick, and she's hotter than Jade. I said it. We don't have names on these girls, I believe, but uh, their real name. Well, they do have names on the show: Jackie, Trish, and Mitzi. But we don't know how they were. You know, I don't think they called each other by their names. So, those three actresses. Uh, so, one of your girls is named Kim Anderson, Barbara Belmonte, and Barbara Shilaki. <laughs> so, you might want to search those three names up, and maybe you'll strike gold with your chick. So, Justin, how do you – I mean, am I missing any girls of season uh, two? What What about uh, Peg from Poppies by the Sea, by the Tree? Peg, yeah, let's throw her that conversation. Oh, and the girl with the ta- who handed the towel to Al that said, uh, get out now? What yeah. about the uh, refrigerator girl? Her? Oh, yeah, refrigerator girl. She was all right. She was okay. I was digging the bandana <laughs> shirt. Yeah, she was in Girls Just Want to Have Fun. I'm looking at her now. I just I just don't think like I don't know for me as soon as I saw brunette chick I I was done. That was game over. I I when we pick season 3 I'm probably going to come back and pick her for season 2. Right. Um I'm looking now her face is not doing it. So now we're left with 
Jerry's girl in the pink top, blue bottom, or uh, Jade? Well, hold on. JP, do you have a favorite that, or or is it between these two for you also? It's between those two. Okay, so I'm clearly picking Brunette. Alex, who are you you picking here? (sighs) Man, like... Decision time. Let's go. If we were to say you could only be with one of these girls ever, and only once... I have a bunch of angles of the one you like right now. <laughs> I'm trying uh, to get more angles, personally. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, just because of my nostalgia, I'm going to have to go with Jade. I'll tell you why. Because Jade is a major part of Mario Children. Now, she was a reoccurring character who appeared in seasons two and three. She was in the episodes The Great Escape which is where Bud says, can I show you some of our bras? She was in Father Load, where she saw Al counting the money, and she, she said she, she re- just realized she's in love with him. <laughs> and when did you realize that? When you saw the eighth $20 bill in his hand? <laughs> um, or she was also in Season 3 in the episode My Mom the Mom and Do You Think I'm Sexy? So she's in four episodes. So I'm going to go with her. You're going with your chick. And Justin, where are you going? You're the, you're the tiebreaker here. Well, um, uh, this is a very tough competition. This is a very tough competition. I don't even think this that. is a competition. I, d- I do, man. I do. Dude, Jade was in Playboy. You can't say she was a competition. I think I I'm going to have to go with Jade, dude. What? Y'all are y'all are hot. Okay. I need all my real married with children fans to know that they're wrong and I'm right on this one. I've been wrong mm. twice in this season to Alex. I'm holding my ground on this one. It, it might help that I have seen Jade naked. <laughs> like that's all that's playing in my head right now. Jade's body is more polished. The girl you like could use some actual like she should live out her character and have some gym time like she needs to tighten up a little bit uh just a little she's not a train wreck or anything like that but you could tell she's not polished it's the same difference from when lou ferregno went against arl schwarzenegger in the 1976 mr olympia he was big and he was the new thing but arnold just had that polished refined look that was just totally thoroughly perfect and that's the difference between these girls I think that, yeah, I'm going to stick with Jade. Yep. Well, hey, we will put this up for polls on our Facebook group page. Be sure to join it, guys. Married with Children podcast. It's not hard to find. I mean, there's a reason why Jade has a name and the other girls just like girl number C. Well, they had a name and nobody used them. Yeah. (laughs) I don't need a name. I don't even need to hear her talk. She ain't going to do much talking anyway. You are so deep, Jerry. I, you know, I just hope I, she I really is. Am. <laughs> okay, well, there you go. That's that's the hottest chick of season two, guys. Uh, I, I hope none slipped our minds. I don't think so. I mean, unless you want to throw in the the triplets. <laughs> no, I don't think we do. No, oh, man. Okay, now nah, I'm just messing with you. So, uh, <clears throat> all right, guys. So let's let's talk about some of the people that have been on this show. So, Married with Children season two. You know, um, we really want to we really want to dig deep here and and go all the way. So uh, let's start with Poppy's by the tree. Now, this blonde with the towels, 
that you know she slipped out of the note. Her real name her in the in the show her name was Becky. Her real name is Kim Green, and uh, she's known for uh, Another World, Miss Congeniality Two, um, and Mad Mex Churro Road. That's like a 2016 spoof movie or something like that. So she's still acting to this day, which is pretty amazing. Uh, so the episode, if I were a rich man, uh, one thing that you're supposed to know, one thing Jerry pointed out that he was sort of struggling with, that was one of the first times that this show gave us the kind of humor that is not realistic or not grounded in any real way. And it was Peg and the two kids at the top of the Sears Tower uh, and they were going to have like a family suicide <laughs> and they kept saying shoes. He sells shoes <laughs> and they're going to jump off the Sears Tower. Well, at the time that they filmed that, that was uh, the Sears Tower was the tallest building in the world. So it worked out that they were in Chicago and they had that claim to fame at the same time, which I can't understand how that's true. Is the Sears Tower taller than the World Trade Center? Because the Twin Towers, because those were made in the 70s, I know. I don't know. Yeah. Well, uh, so the episode Buck Can Do It, where Buck gets, uh, he's going to get neutered. The guy who played Buck as a human being, if you all remember, <laughs> Al's dream, he was talking to Buck and he had like long legs and all. He's like a human with a like a dog's face and hair on his body. His name was Derek McGrath. He is known for things like Doc, My Secret Identity, and a movie called Charlie Barlett. Uh, I've never heard of those, but... Oh, I've seen Charlie Barlett. That movie was actually good. Yeah, he's in that. Now, Justin knows this guy really well. Uh, His name is Zorro. (laughs) Justin used to work with him back in the 90s. Uh, In the episode Girls Just Want to Have Fun, Zorro was played by Bill Hufsey. Um, he has 27 credits, believe it or not, on IMDb. Fame, The Young and the Restless, and Days of Our Lives. He was like the typical uh, soap opera actor. You know, the good-looking, tan, uh, I guess, Latin lover or whatever. <laughs> I guess he that's what he was on the on these shows. You got now Alley of the Dolls. This Mimi Stokes was, uh, you know, Peg's rival in high school. And she's played by Deborah Harmon who is in Just the Ten of Us, Used Cars, and Bachelor Party. That makes sense. She she kind of looks like a, a used car and a bachelor party at the same time. <laughs> yeah, she would be the entertainment at a bachelor party if it was at a dive bar. Yeah. So uh, now we get to more colorful characters. Not that Zorro is not a colorful, ca- colorful character, but you can't beat Jimmy from How Do You Spell Revenge? The weirdo who, you know, Jimmy from the from the aquarium. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now, he's played by John Johnston. Uh, now, he actually has. Wait, hold up. Time out. John Johnston. Yeah. <laughs> some some parent knew their last name was Johnston and still named him John. Dude, I kid you not. I work with a guy named Eric Erickson. Why? Why would you do that? That's creative parents right there. <laughs> I don't know. J- that's Jimmy's fate. He was in Annie Hall, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. He's probably a freaking alien because he looks like one on the show on Marrow Children. And he was in A Walk in the Clouds. 
Now, his son, Brian, who was supposed to get the tattoo with Kelly, his name is Chris Cam. And he is like, uh, he, he didn't have the greatest career, but he's working, I suppose. I don't know if he's living off of it, but he was in Coach, the show, Wyatt Earp, and this movie from 1988, Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. Now, being horror fans, I guess you guys have seen that one at least, right? Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah, it, a lot. it has a big cult following, but like, it's just okay to me. I like Elvira, though. We should watch it again and look for uh, Brian. Yeah. yeah. I own it. See if we could spot Kelly on his arm. Yeah. You know what's funny? Brian's like literally the only one out of Kelly's boyfriends this season that gets a name. Like last season, we at least got like Cobra and Roger and Dweeb. Like we got a couple of names this season. The only other guy that gets mentioned in, in the Valentine's Day episode and she just said when she's like, no, don't pick that person. Don't pick that person. Right. Pick that person. And that person, I think, was like John or something. But Brian's the only one in this season that gets any real attention. Well, that makes sense because he had an actual story plot. <laughs> I mean, all the rest are just kind of more or less jokes, right? I mean, Yeah, but we we at least like get names like... Cobra. Cobra and Roger and Dweeb, like we get names instead of just her coming home and being like, I left two guys knife fighting over this. Right. Well, she's not going to, would it make sense to say, you know, I I left uh, Jerry and Rick knife fighting over me? Like, wow, it would seem weird just saying two guys are knife fighting at a train, at a train track. Jerry, yeah. you win that knife fight. No, for Kelly? Kelly? Uh, now that we're getting into season three, we're getting into season three. I'm winning this night fight. Ah. It's a long night fight. I've been yeah. ducking and dodging, waiting for my time. Yeah, we've we've been fighting time right now for her. Now it's uh, I think everything is uh, on the up and up. No pun intended. So now you get to this episode, uh, the most controversial and uh, I would say infamous marriage children podcast episode, Earth Angel. Uh, these guys just were not having it, man. Like, I don't know what they didn't like about that episode, but <laughs> I, I think I gave it a five. Uh, let me see. You did? Yeah. Yeah, I gave it a five. <laughs> and these guys gave it a, a 3.5 and a 2.5. The 3.5 is actually not bad at all. I think it's mostly – I think I was mostly bummed out by uh, Justin's lack of enthusiasm while maybe wrapping it up the way he was talking about it, but he still was generous with the score. But Jerry was just outright like he gave the the thing we fear all the time two point five. <laughs> Jerry's I like when Jerry get, gets like real serious about his cookies. <laughs> yeah, he gets serious. Hey, is that how like I gotta know from an audience standpoint? Do y'all feel the same way when like because? Um, when we go under the three, like, obviously we still like married with children. We still like the episodes, but how, how I, I want to know how they feel about this. How do you feel about me dogging out earth angel like this and not, I guess I, he's right. I get serious where I'm like, it just did not work for me. No matter what I tried, it did not work for me. And I say it because I mean, if we're just going to sit here and, massage Al's feet every episode. That's right. just not the Bundy way. Yeah, because they stink. <laughs> right. 
Yeah, you wouldn't live. You wouldn't survive. I don't massage his feet every episode, and I still gave that one a, a high score. So, no, I don't think I, I don't think it's that you have to always give a high score. I think I was just surprised at which one you didn't give it to. That's all. Yeah. I, I wonder if, Alex, if you're ever going to give an episode under a three. I'm, I'm sure I will. I under a, under a two point five? No, I just under a three. I want to see if like it might right. be a two point nine, but I want to see if he breaks. I know two point nine. Yeah, we don't go that far with it. <laughs> well, yeah, well, I don't know. We had two two point nine seven. I don't know how he's going to do this, but I just can't wait to see what episode because I hope I love that episode. Ha! That would it be will be interesting. Plot twist. Yeah. Uh, well, what I do know is that when we put that up on our Facebook group page, everybody else really liked it. And I believe the general rating was a 4 to a 4.5. Well, you know, they're allowed to uh, to be wrong. They didn't find their inner Steve to give the right <laughs> answer, and I can understand that. It happens. It happens to the best of us. Hey, if everybody else was as amazing as you, then why would you be special? So. It's such exactly. a difference in ratings. That's what that's why I think it's so interesting is because it's like polar opposites because you know 2.5 is the lowest that we've rated and Alex comes in at a 5 it's just it's an interesting contrast. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, Tiffany was played by Dawn Merrick. And and that's funny cuz my wife's name is Tiffany and her sister's name is Dawn. So that's kind of a weird uh, thing. Is your brother's name Merrick by chance? Because that would be <laughs> really crazy. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, Tiffany at this point is 58 years old. Just to give you a, like a wow do I feel old kind of thing. Like, man, I was watching Tiffany pretty much when this show came out as a kid. And now she's 58. <laughs> and look how young she was on that show. Like, wow. So I guess she was like uh, 28 or something. Well, that's all right. When she was playing uh tiffany i was like negative six months old right so she was in general hospital for her career must have just gone horribly wrong because she was in that movie three ninjas with hulk hogan wow she was in the third three ninjas movie is that the high noon one or whatever yeah that's the high noon one that one was (laughs) like number three i seriously haven't watched those since i was a kid yeah that's what that, that was her fate so, um, and she was in a movie called The Alaska Kid. It's probably because I gave an episode a 2.5 why her career failed. <laughs> you had great foresight. It was it was actually hindsight. You just didn't know it. Yeah. Now, Barney, uh, in that episode, who helped, who paid Al to, to, to you know, to do uh, landscaping in Al's backyard... He he was the guy that we talked about in Friday the Thirteenth Part Three. He's yes. Harold. Yeah. Oh yeah, the poker game. And he was in the poker game. Yep. And he's going to come back again. His name is Steve Suskind. Suskind. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, unfortunately, he died in January of two thousand five at the age of sixty two. Um, but he had a pretty decent career. Uh, he was in Friday Thirteenth Part Three, Monsters Inc. and Star Trek Five. I could just picture him now with a horseshoe crab on his forehead. <laughs> oh my god! So uh, now we can move on to uh, now. One of the cool things we did in season two that uh, was a uh, was very interesting because it's an old saying, really. 
Justin and I really hate watching Christmas stuff out of season because we're I think the three of us are actually way into it. Like something mm-hmm. clicked in us one year of our life and we just learned to appreciate the holiday of Christmas. So we go all out. We watch all the Christmas movies, all the Christmas uh, cartoons or episodes of stuff. So we're into it. We love it. We do it every year. And unfortunately, we had to have Christmas in July for this show. At least it did work out in that like novelty Christmas in July type thing. Yeah, like that old saying, it's so weird, Christmas in July. Like, how odd is it that that happened to us, you know? And I was even toying with the idea of, like, always holding off on on the Christmas ones and just doing them when we're more near December and just saying, hey, you know, we skipped this one, now we're going to do it now. But uh, that I think it'll get too convoluted at that point. I, I agree. I, I think that that's the, the bad choice. But I was thinking of that as well um, when you first – mentioned to me doing this show i instant because i know sitcoms are big for holiday episodes everything from roseanne to home improvement to this and i i thought like oh that's gonna be weird because i i'm really into holiday themed shows and and episodes and stuff so that's one of the first things i thought of but and i even had thought like oh wonder if we'll like hold off on it or time it or something but it just doesn't make sense for this format of show mm-hmm. and uh i think that i think you made the right call yeah, I mean, this is what we're doing here is a chronological exploration of marriage children. So to put our fingers in it that way is just taking too many liberties, I think. And it's just like, well, dude, just review it. Who cares? <laughs> you know, it's 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 going a little far. So I, <clears throat> the one thing I want to say, you know, we already talked about the the corner. Uh, he's he's that guy from Wayne's World, uh, and we like him. What struck me about this episode that I thought was really crazy <laughs> is I just did a little, you know, searching and I, you know, I was thinking of some of the other guys in, in the episode and the guy who delivered the basket of fruit, remember he said, do the, do the Schmitz live here? No, no. He said Rhodes. Schmitz is who it's from. Oh yeah. Right. Oh, duh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, to the roads. You know, it's weird. I was thinking of that, but I remember Schmidt so well that I said, oh, no, it must be Schmidt that I'm thinking of. But, yeah, you're right. Because she said, it's from the uh, Schmidt. And Al's like, yeah, good people. Uh, yeah, you're right. So she stole Marcy's fruit basket. Now, so I just looked up the guy who delivered the fruit basket just out of out, uh, on a hunch. And his name is Robert Pet Petkoff. And what struck me is that he has 22 acting credits. You have to get a real actor just for that part. <laughs> <laughs> like, couldn't like the the guy, like a uh, the best boy grip, just knock on the door and hand that to them? I know that that is that's weird, man. Because like, I mean, I'm sure if you just get one of the grips or something, you don't have to pay them extra. <laughs> right. But if you actually get a speaking role, unless there is some kind of role against. Oh that. yeah, if they speak, you have to be in the. Could be a union thing also. Yeah. You have to be in the actors guild. Okay. Mm. Well well what's even stranger is the the mall guy, uh, who's like, We have it all, Lakeside Mall, so uh we don't have to pay you? So nobody knows what really happened. That guy, his name is David Rupkret, and he has fifty five acting credits. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. I just thought that was amazing. Like the two most minor roles are still performed by, uh, I guess, people who went to acting school. 
So now we move on to Peg loves Al. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this girl uh, that Bud got the Valentine from, April, May, June, her name is Leon Jones. And she was in that show, Small Wonder. <laughs> you ever see you hear that with the the girls like a robot? No, not at all. <laughs> Go to YouTube and search Small Wonder uh, intro or whatever. Because, you know, it's one of those shows where on the intro they explain everything to you. Like, uh, what's a show that does that? There's like, sh- oh, like the Fresh Prince. Don't they tell you like his whole story? Yeah. And oh, West in the intro. born and raised. Yeah. On the playground where I spent most of my days. Yeah. So that's what they do with Small Wonder. She's a girl who is a robot. It's like the weirdest show ever. And then this girl, April, May, June, she, she also, her career is just tanking because she was in still the beaver is that a leave it to beaver thing yeah like wait did she go into porn (laughs) that's the next step yeah she was in still the beaver like this guy uh jerry mathers i guess he came back as the beaver at like 35 or 40 years old (laughs) oh that's fun that that has to be cringy (laughs) i don't know man like I've never, I liked Leave It to Beaver. I've probably watched like the first two seasons or something, but I couldn't imagine that little kid being like an adult, like being Beaver. Yeah, what? I'm gonna search real quick. Wait, still <laughs> the Beaver. Okay, I just want to see how long this lasted. Oh, I want to guess. Uh, I don't think it couldn't have gone more than two seasons. Okay, let me say. I'm gonna say three episodes. I said two seasons. Uh, Jerry's in the more of a right direction. Three seasons? No. Four <laughs> seasons? 1983 to 1989. Oh, whoa. And I've wow. literally never heard one person say anything about it ever. Ever in my entire life. The show is the continuing adventures of the whole gang. Beaver and the gang are all grown up. Beaver is divorced and living with his mom. What the hell? <laughs> Beaver doesn't get divorced. This is like a family-friendly thing. Oliver and Kip. Wally has his wife, Mary Ellen, and daughter and son, Kevin. Eddie Haskell is still around and has his wife, Gert, and two sons, played by his real-life sons. Oh Dude, why do I God. think of, like... uh? Bit, like old Biff from Back to the Future being Eddie Haskell. <laughs> Isn't Eddie Haskell the kid in the movie It? Or no, Eddie Hanscom, I think it is. No, it's uh, Ben Hanscom. Ben Hanscom, yeah. And it. you got Eddie Spaghetti. Yeah, okay, I'm blending two people. Yeah, look at this this cover that they have for this, this picture of them on the poster. What's it called? Still the Beaver. Still <laughs> This oh, well, is... uh, here you have to write in, though, apparently, the new Leave it to Beaver. If you write that, then you'll get to Still the Beaver, which went on for 102 episodes. Oh, there was a TV movie. Oh, there was also a movie. Still, Still the Beaver is a 1983 TV movie which launched the new Leave it to Beaver TV series that ran from 83 to 89. So not wow. only is there a new TV series, but there was a goddamn movie. This is crazy. I wonder if anyone made a porno spoof of it called Still in the Beaver. <laughs> well, if there isn't, there should be now. Uh, you just gave away a million dollar idea, buddy. So 
Edit that you shit know. out. <laughs> yeah. The now this beaver guy, he actually shows <laughs> up. <laughs> he shows up on Married with Children. He plays a loser who Oh, he plays himself. But he's like a loser who he's like relegated to showing doing appearances in supermarkets. <laughs> Because this was big before – this was before conventions were big. Back then, like famous people – like you could meet Adam West at like like a tire dealership or something. <laughs> <laughs> like that's what these guys did before they started these conventions. And then, you know, you'd get an autograph or pick – and that's how, you know, they would pay those guys and they would they would get you there and they feel that you would buy a car if you were there. You know? <laughs> Honey, I'm going to meet. Leave it to Beaver. <laughs> Honey, I came home with this new car. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. All right. So that's, that's pretty much uh, everyone now except for, um, you know, the girl we talked about a couple times. So – uh, we already talked about her as the hottest chick, Terry Wagell. So I'll just say one uh, last thing about her until next season. She was in uh, Predator 2, and su- supposedly she was naked during the whole movie. I mean, every scene of her, she's basically naked. So I might actually watch that now because I've been avoiding Predator 2 like the play because one of my favorite movies of all time is Predator. And I just remember as a kid... I thought that whole thing about being in the city was just ridiculous. I thought it was horrible. You're not going to like this, but I'm going to say it. Okay. I like Predator, like Predator 2, 2 way more than Predator 1. Oh, I think that's way insane. More. That's I love insane. Predator 2. Um, I've seen Predator 2 once when I was a kid, and I don't remember really caring for it. And I love Predator, so I think Jerry's just wrong then. Oh, yeah. He's, it's okay. He's allowed to be wrong. She was in that, so she's naked. So now I'm going to probably give it a shot again as an adult. Uh, She went into porno at 29 years old. Pretty old to go into porn. Because what year did she do that? 91. She was 29. So So that's before the whole MILF generation, too. Yeah. Well, she was in Playboy in 1986. So that's five years earlier. So she was in Playboy at 24 years old. And then she was on Married with Children two years later, 26. So after that, 27, she was in Married with Children 2. And just a year or two later, she said, well, it's time for porn. And she, she did porn till 2014. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And she has like a sad – I'm sure she's done now, I think, because she's 55 years old now. And uh, her – 63-year-old husband died after 29 years of marriage. I think he died a year or two ago after being married for 29 years. So I went and bought her first Playboy ever. Uh, It's the April 1986 Playboy, and she's the centerfold. So I have it. It's, It's almost in, like, mint condition. I mean, it's... Is that the one I pointed out on the show? Yeah, I think you did. Unless – not the one up down Bud's pants. Oh, OK. No, no. Yeah, you're right. But uh, I thought I lo- I thought I looked it up some uh, – I think you did. On eBay or something. Yeah, you did. And I, that, and I immediately bought it. Now, the <laughs> one down Bud's pants was the that penthouse uh, January 1986. Which penthouse is, is way more hardcore than Playboy. 
She's had a couple of boob jobs since then, too. Yeah, look at her. Oh, my God. Work on her lips. I don't know. I still think she looks all right. I mean, it looks like what I would imagine it to look like at this point. Yeah. I just found a Playboy November 1985 she was in. So I don't have the first one. Nope, you're oh, right. No. She was in the 85 one. Yeah, with that her pink hat and the cover. I have to go get that now. It's 750 on eBay. Okay, I'll buy it. Buy it now. Bam. Better be in good I says good condition. I guess that's good. 750. Confirm and pay. Okay. All right. Well, I got that one now. So, yeah, so that's what she's up to. So, she still looks okay for a 55-year-old chick. I guess I'll look up one of her newer porns and see what that's like. Do you think that is there more girls on this show throughout seasons that are uh have been a playboy playmate i think so because your playboy collection is gonna get pretty big <laughs> i know <laughs> well i have it's oh there is actually brandy brandt miss october 1987 now i bought that playboy already that's gonna be a huge show it's al in search of that playboy nice I have it framed in a glass frame above my bar in my man cave. It's been there since I moved into this house. So, yeah, I had to get that one. So now doing this show, it appears I have to get a lot of them. So I look like a perv already. <laughs> no, I swear. It's for the show. Yeah. yeah. And on, on uh, my eBay feedback is as this perv has really fast payment methods. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so now let's get – so that's everybody, guys. Uh, that's about everybody that we didn't cover really, the, you know, special guest stars and all that. Now let's get to one thing I always find interesting. Like uh, Married with Children is big for naming the episodes after something that's relevant or just something popular or whatever. So, you know, sometimes we name, you know, why – like we say why an episode was called something uh, like recently, you know, we talked about uh, father load and I said how, well, you know, that's usually uh, you hit the mother load and stuff like that or whatever. I did that with a lot of these episodes, but there's some that I, I missed. So I just want to definitely get that out there. Uh, for So for the first episode of the season, uh, Buck can or the second one, uh, Buck can do it. That is adapted, the title Buck Can Do It is adapted from a line in the song Let's Fall In Love. I guess it's We Can Do It. And I don't know, like the writers, you know, whatever must have known this or whatever. So the whole poppies by the tree thing, that was, you know, a common Florida beachfront resort edition uh, by the sea. Like everything's by the sea in Florida. Yeah, and with this one, they'll do every, it's by the tree because they don't have a seat they have a tree one tv somewhere and the guy who met andy griffin right exactly that's exactly what the whole thing is um so if i were a rich man where steve and al were contemplating whether or not they should rob the bank that was uh a song from the fiddler on the roof i've never actually watched fiddler on the roof any version of it right have you no i can't imagine it's good but i guess it is so uh, we, you know, we talked about for whom the bell tolls. That's a you know Ernest Hemingway novel. Uh, Girls just want to have fun. I mentioned that was a Cindy Lauper song. Uh, one thing we didn't say. Uh, one of the episodes, uh, an odd episode of our podcast, Born to Walk. 
that's the episode I, for some dumb reason, underproduced. So although it was a pretty good conversation, it just didn't come off the same because it just it just wasn't us because it wasn't clip heavy like they normally are. So um, I don't know. People just didn't really say anything about that episode. But uh, that was uh, this Bruce Springsteen song, Born to Run. So it's Born to Walk. Yes. Al lost his license, you know. Yeah. So if you ever like want to appreciate how much Alex does, you can go listen to that episode and then go listen to like the next episode in the season and you'll see how much like his production matters with this show. Yeah. I couldn't believe how little, (laughs) how little anyone spoke of that episode. It was almost like it never was released. I was like, Hmm, I wonder if they noticed. And then I think, uh, uh, I think they noticed. <laughs> yeah, because they had nothing to say about it. Uh, and and that was one of my favorite ones because I thought that was one of those episodes where I kind of forgot that it was really good and it was a real strong episode. So yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah. Now, Alley of the Dolls, the one where the Bundys uh, go bowling against the what were their names? The uh, Str- Stouts. The the family with the missed lesbian joke. Yeah, the yeah a lesbian joke that's it's like the pink elephant in the room that we are not addressing, the the daughter Mimi Stotes oh Stotes yeah they just did not go with that lesbian joke for some odd reason so that was called Alley of the Dolls and that's a movie Valley of the Dolls by Russ Meyer which I don't know I should have looked it up uh, I it could have just been the name Alley and Valley somebody just put that together I don't know if it really relates to the episode. Yeah, that sounds like it would almost be like them just just going with the easy play on words. Yeah. Uh, The Razor's Edge, where Steve did not shave, um, it says – this is all from, by the way, Bundyology.com. That's a cool website, all things married with children. But I know a lot of people don't take the time to, you know, look this stuff up. So it's great to just sit back and get it on our show, I guess. Razor's Edge. It just says, play, comma, movie with Teresa Russell. So I guess that's the actual name of the movie, The Razor's Edge. I guess so. Yeah. How do you spell revenge? My like favorite episode of the season, seemingly. I didn't even realize that that's the slogan. How do you spell relief? The Rolades with Tommy Lasorda. Oh, my God, it is. Yeah, and that's a baseball reference, I guess. And that's it was all about baseball, that one. Except for... I, well, I mean, like, it had the side story of baseball. You thought the whole episode was going to be about baseball, and then they threw that curveball at you. Ooh, wow, look at you. Yeah, Dynamite dropping, Monty. That was a baseball reference. I didn't get it. Uh, Major League. Oh, the movie Major League. Yeah. I like that movie. <laughs> yeah. I like that one and the second one. I uh, I hated the second one as a kid, and then I watched it again as an adult about two, three years ago, and it was not as bad, but, but not as classic. I mean, it's not as good as the first one, but, like, yeah. like as, a, as for a parody movie goes right those are pretty good i feel like parody movies lost all their like wit uh yeah i think we have to wait for another uh whole uh avalanche of that once people rethink things when people start remaking mel brooks movies (laughs) now earth angel i might have said that that was the song i don't know if i said anything but it was obviously earth angel is that song sung in uh, back to the future but the original, you know, it's originally by these guys called the Penguins. So if you want to hear the original version of Earth Angel, you have to go there. Uh, you better watch out. Um, that's, you know, of course, you better you watch better out. You better watch out. You better not. 
pout. You better not shout. I'm telling you. Wait, am I messing that up? Because Santa like will land in your backyard. Backyard. And Bud will look. And Jerry was wrong about that scene. <laughs> Bud looked at him. You know what I mean. But Steve is still the best character on screen. Wow. Look at you. Uh, yeah. Guys and Dolls is a play, apparently. Uh, Build a Better Mousetrap. We talked about that already. Mm-hmm. Master the Possibilities. I actually thought that was something different. I told everybody that because I, I didn't look it I didn't look it up on here because I felt I knew what it already was, and I, I guess I was I could be right and wrong. Master the possibilities is straight up the slogan for Mastercard, and and that's where Buck you know gets the credit card and the Bundys mm-hmm. use it, like and I said that it was and this is like a really genius thing if you think about it. Not, I'm not saying I'm a genius. I'm saying if they thought of this. Master is how a dog refers to his owner. So master the possibilities. That's what all I thought they were referring to. Yeah, I like that better than them just stealing the tagline. Yeah. I mean, that works too. But like, I kind of like the idea of... The combo of it all. Yeah, Buck's, Buck's masters are using his card. Right. Uh, yeah, I, I, I like that tangent a lot better. But, I mean, you know, whatever. It is what it is, yeah. But it's cool how it, it could play both ways. I mean, this is just Bundyology saying it. I mean, they seem to really know their stuff. But, I, plus, they're not wrong. It is the MasterCard slogan. So, But it's cool how it could go either way. Uh, we already said, you know, Peggy loves Al. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Beatles song. Uh, the Great Escape. We talked about that movie with Steve McQueen. Impotent. Yeah. Yeah. Now, impotent. I think that the impotent might be the most clever out of all of the season two names. Well, I gave an answer. I just said that was impotent, as in the the fire hydrant shaped dent in the car that she put. But in Bundyology, it says um, an evil little man is an imp, likes to damage dent cars, show content. No, that's stupid. That's no, that's not it. Is being impotent, not being able to perform. Right, and then and a dent in the car. I gotta disagree with Bundyology on this one. It had nothing to do with a mischievous imp causing problems. I get where they're coming from because right. I always remember that classic uh, cartoon. Was it a Bugs Bunny cartoon? Oh, I thought you were gonna say the movie Cat's Eye. No, no, no. The classic cartoon with the imp destroying the airplane as uh, Bugs. I think it's Bugs Bunny. Like that's I, that is my go-to whenever I think of like the mischievous version of Imp. When I think of the monster version of Imp, I think of the Imp from Doom, the video mm-hmm. game. Okay. But yeah, no. Okay, on that one and and Master of the Possibilities, I think we came up with better ones than what's said on the website. Right. I'm gonna say pat on the back for us twice, both hands. Yeah, two in a row. Uh, just married with children. Saying just married is, and also married with children is self-referential. I, I did say that, you know, just married because they pose as Stephen Marcy. Uh, father load. Now I said, yep, I was right. Okay, expression, mother load. And also, also you know, yeah. How, on the expression mother, I hit the mother load. Like, why is it mother instead of father? Because if you think about it, back when this catchphrase was probably made, the father brought all the money to the table. Like, the, but, but with mother, when I think of mother, if I'm thinking of mother load, 
I would think of like the mother, like I would think of birthing, like <laughs> giving birth to something. I think like father load. Do I think we should have been saying father load all the time? Oh, Al, I hit the father load. You are not going to believe how much I just put on my table. Right. Well, I know nobody thinks about this, and uh, I admit that I really didn't either. Uh, but load is obviously, you know, when we released the show is the only time I really learned about it, but load is spelt differently. It's not L O A D it's L O D E. And you know, L O D E refers to a rich source of something. Yeah. Yeah. Like I found a load of ore. Right. Not Jonathan Orr. Yeah. Not Jonathan Orr. No, no, not quite. No. Though we could start saying, I found a load of ore whenever he puts out like a 30-minute YouTube video. Oh, yeah. I found a load of ore. Yeah. Yeah. That's his new catchphrase. Uh, just, Jonathan, make sure you don't become a load of bore. Ooh. And make sure you pay us for that slogan. Yes. Jonathan, Johnny Orr, not a load of bore. <laughs> yeah. There you go. <laughs> uh, and finally, uh, I think... I'm sure I mentioned that All in the Family is just based off of that TV series. Oh, it's not Bane off the Corn song? <laughs> no. no. No Fred Durst involvement here? Nah, I don't think so. I mean, both songs, both the song and the show, both kind of have reference to incest. So maybe there's something, maybe Corn based their song off this episode. That could be true because it's a... Yeah, badass show, and Corn is a sort of badass, so they would uh, definitely be into this show. You would hope so. <clears throat> oh, yeah. What do you think about, like, uh, by the way, guys, uh, Justin stepped out for a minute. Apparently, he got some kind of, he, he made a collect call again, which is a reference to, like, our sixth show, and he's still doing it. It's crazy. But uh, it turns out a chick and the Jiggly Room needed him. I think she has a flat tire or something. I don't even know. So he ran out to go help her out, and I'm sure he's going to... Yeah, she needed someone to help her uh, screw till they were tired. I meant put the screws on the tire. Yeah, and I'm sure he's going to receive payment for this. So I don't know how that's going down, but it, it might be a while. But uh, we're, we'll are we get to a couple things before he returns that we can wrap up the show with our favorite stuff. So... Uh, let's talk about it real quick. Uh, what do you think about like episodes when certain characters weren't even there? Like the one obvious one was like when Bud and Kelly were not in the one where. Oh, you know, the most interesting one was Kelly not being there for Master of the Possibilities because they actually like explained why she was not there in the episode. Yeah, she was like grandma's house or something. Yeah, yeah, because I thought that was the most interesting just because. You would think if they're doing, like, they're buying all this stuff, Kelly would be involved there. Right. And they were being so dumb that they couldn't – remember we decided that the, the logic was more like Kelly's thinking and it just – you need that kind of difference to make her character work so they all couldn't be that stupid in one episode? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So – that was interesting, and I gotta say, although I love all the characters here, and I know Steve and Marcy weren't in a few episodes and stuff, but I don't know, it didn't hurt the show. They seem to be able to exist, whether they're all there, whether it's a Buck-focused episode, whether it's a Kelly-focused episode, whether it's a Bud-focused episode, or Steve. 
you know, or Marcy, like no matter who they're focusing on. I think the one time there was like some kind of odd focus on one person episode that didn't work out was probably just Peg with Peggy Sue got work. Yeah, I, I mean, for the most part, when we're missing a character, they seem to to write the episode well enough that I I would never notice. And I remember there's a few times we've recorded where I was like, so did y'all guys notice this insert <laughs> character here was not here? And you're like, oh, shit. Yeah, you're right. Uh, so they do pretty good. If they cannot have a character there for whatever reason, they keep up the pace. And, and typically, I think uh, Master of the Possibilities was the only time where we were like there was a good reason for Kelly not being there on the technical side of it. Yeah. And that was interesting. They thought that through. Uh, so now real quick, let's get to a, a segment, uh, basically thanking people for iTunes reviews. So we have nine reviews on iTunes now after, you know, two seasons, which I guess is not bad, right? No, no, it's not bad at all. I mean, Let's be honest. We understand how annoying it is to write an iTunes review, especially if you don't use any Apple products. And having to go in there and write the review and rate it and all that, take the time out of your day to open up the program. We get it. It's it's not the funnest thing in the world to do. Uh, but we really do appreciate it because it will bring more eyes because, let's be honest, a a lot of people who listen to podcasts listen to it through iTunes. And if they're searching for a new podcast – the higher our rating is, the more likely we are to be seen and we can bring more people into this. Right. Yeah, we got to make this a whole no-man movement, guys. You're all honorary no-man members. And, you know, uh, we gotta, we're reliving married children just like our friends group page on Facebook. And we got to keep this going. You know, the show has not been on the air live for 20 years now they've you know they've been done for 20 years and from every single little thing i see it does not look like there will ever be a reunion show uh as much as david faustino would like it and i definitely think that fox should give him a shot at you know married with grandchildren or whatever he wants uh that that definitely should eventually happen i don't know if it's ever gonna but so now for itunes ratings let's read a couple uh, we don't have too many, so uh, you know most people just rated us with five stars. So thank you for that, number one. But for people who said stuff, uh, Abraham Ram, the Ran Man, said, "Great podcast, three hosts who are all accomplished podcasters. By the way, provide great insight into one of TV's funniest shows." So thanks, Abraham. Uh, another person who's a a fan of my other podcast. Crew fan for life said, "Awesome first show." I guess he only, he only heard the first show, but uh, he might have heard more. I don't even know. Uh, so right away he dropped this uh, rating. Awesome first show. I'm sure the Bundys would be proud. Cool way to honor the show. Uh, Fred the Wolf said, "Whoa, Bundy!" Mar uh, he said, "With children, with married, with children, <laughs> being my favorite television sitcom of all time." Watched the show since its premiere to the very end, first run. It's great to see a podcast out there discussing the show episode by episode. The three hosts have great banter and provide some interesting info and insight on all the episodes and the show itself. Couldn't recommend a podcast more if you're a real fan of the show. So thanks, Fred. Uh, Sin C. Woody said, excellent podcast. Hope they go through the entire Mary Children series. And she wrote fantastic as the headline. 
And our newest, and thank you, and our newest one is from D. Borgie. Oh, that's my boy, 10 out of 10, Derek. Oh, good. He said, if you love Married Children, this, and I can't see what else it says, uh, fans of Married Children can rejoice, fans of podcasts can rejoice. The two worlds collide with this in-depth podcast going through each episode of the Fame TV series. All three hosts have great interaction and are really entertaining. So... Thanks, guys. I'm glad it's all working out that way. Uh, it's obviously what we hoped for, and we're glad. You know, uh, we all are pretty experienced. We Collectively, we have, I guess, like 10 years here of podcasting, if you add it all up. So uh, hopefully everything we did prior to this was like training so that when we get here, we don't have to like fumble around or we can just get right to it, you know, because I was pretty bad when I started podcasting. <laughs> I was fantastic when I started. Whatever. Uh, okay, uh, let's go. Let's knock out sex points really quick, guys. You know, we always add. We have our whole. We have. We developed a system. I don't even know why we did this, but uh, <laughs> <Why not? laughs> yeah, why not? I mean, it's something else. Uh, we decided that it was interesting. You know, the whole thing is that Al does not want to have sex with his wife. Uh, it was poorly explained in. Uh, the end of an episode in the first season when Al speaks of his catcher's mitt, uh, we thought that could have been better. <laughs> what, a, what a great memory of the show that is. Like, I still remember that as one, one of the cooler moments. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so I don't know what that we were supposed to get out of that, though, except that she's not as tight as a new glove or something. I'm not really sure. Oh, man. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know. He said the web is loose. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't really know where we're going with that whole thing, but he doesn't want to do it regardless. So we decided that whenever Peg does get sex, that we should uh, give her a score on the scorecard. And whenever Al evades sex, that he should get a score because that's, I don't know, it seems like something. So, Jerry, what do, what do you have for us? You're the statistician on the show. So, so first of all, I want to remind everyone that we, uh, in season one, Al only had like two points and Peg had like six, I think. Right. I think it was six. Of course, with this season, we had way more episodes, but we also had a lot of episodes where a lot of points never happened, period. And then we would have like one episode that would pop up where a bunch of points would enter. So Al actually has six sex points in season two. Wow. And wow. So he tripled his score. Yeah, he uh he he stepped up and Peggy ended up with 12 sex so points. So she doubled her score. Yes, cuz keep in mind in like uh Father Load, she ended up getting 4 points. Earth Angel, she ended up getting 4 points. Wow. So she uh racked up on those two episodes. So they so they both came in and 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 overperformed from their season 1, but but it's still a pretty big gap. Yeah, it's still a very large gap. And it's actually funny because if you if you go back and look at those two episodes, Fatherload and Earth Angel, where most of the points were happening, you actually see like Earth Angel, there was an outside stimulus that was causing Al to actually have a sex drive and it benefited Peggy. Mm-hmm. So I just think I just think that's that was very interesting that uh both those episodes kind of had something that made Al have sex. What was your favorite sex point award throughout this season? Uh, oh, it's uh, easily him taking taking one for the team, and Buck can do it 
He uh, <laughs> had sex at the end of the episode with Peggy to keep Buck from getting neutered. Yeah. I I know Justin's favorite is in The Great Escape when Al asks Peg if she wants to do it in front of the kids. And she says, no, they're here. And he goes, okay, see you next fall. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's probably my favorite. <laughs> uh, my favorite uh, will have to be Al losing the the points it's uh it's when uh peg gets points in earth angel i think like when he was just looking at her leg man and then she goes i don't suppose you want to go upstairs when we do he's like yes right now let's go <laughs> <laughs> like that was just so cool so which is funny because uh they actually that whole joke is a callback to um uh the one where uh girls just want to have fun where the girl's fixing the refrigerator and then uh, you have Peggy going, she had nice legs, didn't she, Al? Yeah. And she says a few other things. She goes, you want to go upstairs? And he goes, yeah. Wait, with you? <laughs> yeah. And funny <laughs> enough, I didn't realize this today, and we didn't put it together, and I haven't seen anyone else put it together as of as of right now unless I missed it. There was uh, another episode, Impodent, and we talked about that one and, and how none of us saw the ending coming where it turns out it was Steve and Al planning and conniving the whole mm-hmm. situation. And if you go back to Girls Just Want to Have Fun Part 2, that's Al's speech he gives to her is what they end up doing in Impodent. Really? Yes, when he hands Steve the ring and he gives the whole speech of of what he can do and how Steve is and Steve's like, I'm gonna have a Stepford wife. Literally he he, oh, he, yeah. he bitches out at the end and just gives her the ring and then as the end credits go, he you know, he makes fun of her going, So you lost it down Zoro's pants, huh? But yeah. in Impotent, he actually goes through with it. So while we talked about how there was no actual conversation for us to link back to in Impotent to give us the hint, it's because it was all the way back in the uh, episode uh, five or six. Six, one, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, episode six. That's where the conversation was. Wow. And I remember there was was another situation where something was like hinted on or just – like just touched on for a split second in season one and it ended up being completely played out. And I thought it was impotent. I thought somebody acted like they could not get aroused and then they went and decided to make a whole episode about that. Eh, it don't matter. Yeah, I guess it did happen though. I just don't remember how. Guys, so there you go. Peg doubled Al, 12 to 6. Yep, she's the winner. Two years in a row now. First, she was three times as many as Al. Now she's only twice as many as Al. So he's, he's closing the gap a little bit. And to be fair, a lot of the points that Peggy got in this season was Al sacrificing. Whether it was for money or his dog, he did a lot of sacrificing. All right. Well, there you go. I got some emails. For some reason, I didn't paste the, this the right way. So I'm not sure who they are all from. So sorry, guys, but uh, way to bundy that. <laughs> hey, don't bundy that book. 
Ooh, is that a is that a a, a foreshadowing of next season? I don't know. We'll have to don't wait. Don't bundy see. don't bundy those emails. <laughs> Regarding the plot hole of how the kids got there, meaning uh, just married with children, how the kids were in the audience as soon or as soon as Steve said your kids sold you out for a square meal. I could have sworn Banks said that they picked them from the audience, meaning Steve and Marcy. I figured the kids brought them there and told Steve and Marcy to fill out the questionnaire like Alan Peggy to guarantee they would get picked, question mark. Yeah, that's a theory. So maybe that's how the kids ended up there immediately. Uh, so now there's one uh, moment when Peg says, uh, you know, oh, in impotent. When Marcy said Steve was impotent, Peg says that Al was impotent in 74, but by 79, it it cleared right up. That's odd because at that rate, Al Bundy could be my father because I was born in 79 in September. So if his impotency cleared up in January, that means he could actually be my father. Did you are you writing like Al Bundy as my daddy fan fiction over there? Hey, hey, hey. Hey, I I understand you're just mastering the possibilities. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, oh, it's funny you say that. How did Peg use Al's credit card for the shopping while he was trying to to buy a grilled cheese sandwich and master the possibilities, somebody asks? Uh, You know what? That is weird because he was buying that for lunch. So maybe they went shopping in the morning. But then they just walk in with their bags right before he came home. Uh, They did. And then he came home and he apparently, you know, stayed pretty. Yeah, it was Finn pretty late who gives uh, bad advice because, you know, if it's for the family. Uh, You know, yeah, you're right. That doesn't really line up. Wow. So Al could not have been trying to use his credit card to buy that grilled cheese sandwich because Peg was using it with Bud for shopping. Interesting. Adam Claver says, which character stole the season? Uh, obviously Steve. <laughs> what kind of question is that? Steve, right, Alex? Right, um, Alex? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's what I thought. But who's your second up? Well, his he was so his character is so in question. I think we were supposed to go over that whole thing too. We were supposed to put a lot of thought into what happened to Steve's character arc this season. And it's funny because he's the guy that I claimed had he knew his character the best um, as soon as the show started. And and Marcy confirmed that when we interviewed her because she said that he was the only character that was written for ahead of time, and yet. By the time you get to episodes, like even even building a better mouse, build a better mouse trap, him going along with Al dressing up in that getup, and even going with guys and dolls, how he just becomes obsessed with his baseball thing and sells Marcy's toy. It just seems like after you better watch out. He just by 1988, he just became a different guy. Well, it's it's the influence of Al, like. Who he was in season one is not who he is in season two because in season one, a lot of times he's pushing back that ugh, that influence from Al. But in season two, the influence is, is too strong. It's too there. So you see the duality of his character like battling inside him for him to be 
the the Steve, the Marcy version of Steve or the Al version of Steve. And we I feel like we start seeing the Al version start taking over a little bit more in season two. And I think as we continue, we'll see more of that Al version of Steve come out until we finally get to the point where there is no Marcy version of Steve left. And, and that's why the tragic ending has to happen. Right. And, and this is all at You Better Watch Out was pretty much the last time he was really like Steve. You can argue that in Earth Angel, him calling Tiffany was a little bit out of uh, character. and you know, But really nothing else. If you look at every single one of these episodes, if I were a rich man, he didn't steal from the bank. Buck can do it. He was pretty into getting Buck neutered. Girls want to have fun. Look how he was pretty nice to Marcy about it, even though he did say, so you lost your ring down Zoro's pants, huh? Like, you know, it was still Steve, though. The Razor's Edge, that I think was still Steve just standing his ground. I don't think it was not Steve. Yeah, I think it was Steve standing his ground, much like how he stood his ground uh, and Buck can do it about the visectomy. Right, yeah. And, you know, one big uh, thing I came up with, it just dawned on me that they could have called back an amazing joke and totally dropped the ball in impotent. Did you notice what was how Steve never referred to a part of his body? Oh, how he, well, like how he would never refer to uh, him shaving his face? What are, you, what, what are you getting at? He never called his penis mr mike oh that's right he never he never spoke of mr mike yeah why wouldn't you use mr mike in impotent like that's so weird because you just used it in in buck can do it again and that was a i forgot the very first time yeah no that's a good point because he definitely could have used mr mike I think Buck Can Do It was the first time and Razor's Edge was the second time, right? Because she said there's no room at the end for Mr. Mike or something? Yeah, I think so. Okay, and then it could have been one more time in Impotent and it just didn't happen. So that that left me feeling a little limp. <laughs> yeah, that was... That was smooth, yeah. That was smooth, I like that. I, I just wonder, like, if it was the same writers in Buck Can Do It and the Razor's Edge and not the same writer involved for Impodent, and that's why that joke wasn't made. Right. Well, Chris uh, Nois, Nanis wrote, I can't think of anything that you guys left out, but I hope you mentioned something about the sun clock on the set at some point. He's referring to the clock that is in the Bundy's house. Like, if you look at the stairs, look to the right and just has the wall wraps around, there's a clock there. Mm-hmm. And I don't really know what to say about it. I mean... I guess it's kind of like um, I used to do a thing where when I watched Roseanne, I would always look for the... the Godzilla? Imper- yeah, the Godzilla made by Imperial that they would have uh, throughout the set. So I get there. I guess certain people like to like find certain things in the background. Oh, I do too. If they stay there, like like to me, I probably wouldn't have noticed a clock unless like the clock was changing or something like that. Like, cause that's just not something. But thinking about that uh, time where I noticed there was a crying clown right. picture on uh, right next to uh, Peggy's vanity. Yeah. Yeah. Like so, I mean, people notice certain things and. 
Well, I'm looking up Sun Clock, and you can't really find one that looks like the Bundy's one. I haven't typed in an 80s Sun Clock. What's it, the difference between a Sun Clock and a regular clock? Because I apparently have never noticed a Sun Clock. It just looks like a sun bursting is the design of it, sort of. Oh. And it really doesn't, but it does. Like, it doesn't literally look like that, but, it, you know, I think it's the only reference it is. I'm definitely into what's in the background. I always look at the record player. I look at the paintings they got on the walls. I think they have a big, like, clock somewhere. I always want to put that stuff in my house somewhere. Like, I'm big on doing that kind of thing. But I can't find a sun clock anywhere. So I think we'll have to do more investigation on that as we go. So uh, this might be Chris again, but I'm not sure. Because, like I said, I pasted these wrong. Someone wrote, my brother and I had an over-under. How long do you – this is a great question. How long do you think the show would have lasted if Steve and Marcy would have been the main and Peg and Al were the neighbors? Um. Well, here's his answers real quick. My brother says one season, since it's season one and two were close, I picked two seasons. I think it would have went a couple of seasons. Like, my vote's probably going to be for three, but I don't think it would have lasted as long because, like, Steve and Marcy are interesting, but but being the the like normal people with kooky neighbors has been done. Okay. Even in even in the eighties, that's that's been done. That is literally family matters. Oh. Like it's it's been done. So I don't think it would have lasted quite as long because as much as I love Steve, right? Uh, I think Steve makes. The like the Steve and Marcy characters improve the Bundy characters. The I don't see the Bundy character if it, the roles were reversed. I don't see the Bundy characters improving Steve and Marcy's characters. Right, they don't complement them. Yeah, it's the other way around. You know, and even say, now saying that, I might have to drop down to two seasons. I think they would have because it was such a new thing. I think they would have like stuck with at least two seasons and maybe. Pushed it to a three, but I couldn't see it going past three. Yeah, Marrow Children doesn't even pick up really audience-wise until season three in that uh, infamous episode where Peg is buying a bra. So once that lady writes the letter in Wisconsin, that's when things pick up. Before that, they nobody realized the greatness of this show either. So to imagine that someone would have realized it with Steve and Marcy at the helm being such like... I I wouldn't say plain people either, or, you know, it's weird. We think of them that way, only in the juxtaposition with the Bundys, but they're not normal at all. Like No, they're not. They're very progressive, actually. Yeah. I, they're the furthest thing from just regular, plain, boring people, and I know that's the stigma that might come with when a regular, like, like even like you, before you started diving into this, you probably saw them that way, right? Like you didn't think of them. Yeah, I didn't really think of them as like, like I thought of them as like average and normal. But right. really, they're only average and normal in comparison to Al and and Peggy. Because when you do get scenes of them alone, you have a a newly married couple that are highly progressive, but. When you start digging into them and you see them like fighting about like her mother and his dad, like we saw in All in the Family, Ugh. or or Marcy doing her pinhead like explanations of torturing things, 
or uh, Steve's like thinking of how he used to be a man and now he's not like, because it's not like uh, you get married and you get like neutered. It's for him, he got married and became, you know, like more of a liberal feminist in comparison to he was he was just a, a, a average dude who, who was into cars and and running after chicks and marathons and stuff like that. Like it was almost like Steve was actually normal. And then he hooked up with Marcy, who apparently is so good in bed, it warped his entire life. And now he's this, like, almost completely different person. And then them meeting with Al and Peggy, Al slowly starting to bring that back out of him. Maybe Steve's going to return to a full form of how he used to be. Right. Well, it's weird how soon as Al met Steve, Steve was already coming out with the... Wait, what was the whole thing that they did in the very first episode? Remember they kind of... I know he said, oh, yeah, she's going to teach you to bury me like she buried her first three oh, husbands. I do remember that. Um, You know, we're all going to give our favorite Al moments, but I think the over the overwhelming winner that I guess we could just not even mention because we'll do it here is that Al describing his mother to Steve... Oh, yeah, his mother-in-law. To Steve. Oh, his mother-in-law, right, yeah. To Steve. And remember how Marcy said that that was such an ama- – and even I said it. Remember how I said it? Like this is the most yeah. amazing piece of film. And she said it was so amazing to the, even the creators and everybody on the show that they used to – when the live audience was sitting there, but while everybody was getting their stuff finished up and before they came out and performed the show – she said that they would play, you know, highlights of the Bundys as they can, as they, you know, progressed, and that was always a staple. They had to play that scene to every single time. Yeah, he really sells it. Like he really, really sells that line. It's amazing how great he got so quickly as Al, and it, his character progression from season one to two. We talked about it before. He sort of he has the same progression Homer Simpson had. Like they both. Where that, you know, grumpy dad, Al's just like sarcastic. He he delivers things in a more like dry way. And then all of a sudden he just, something clicked in Ed O'Neill's mind. And he just became something that we'll never understand. You know, and yet we all understand. It's, it's pretty amazing. And it, it's like a television character that is... I don't know. It's it's hard to even describe the pedestal that belongs on. Yeah, I agree. Like the the his character evolves way quicker than everyone else's. Right. Like he just ends up going from that. He goes from grumpy to goofy really fast. Yeah. It progresses more later on, but we have like three great seasons of just this with little drips and drabs of the future but more of just what it is today. Uh, actually, like season three, the first episode, that is Al Bundy in a nutshell. If anybody thinks Al Bundy, it's like the first episode of season three, he thought he could. That embodies everything you ever thought about Al Bundy, especially his speech at the end to the librarian, which we're going to get into on the next review. So uh, tune in for that, guys. Let's get to the main cast. Now let's, uh, you know, last uh, season wrap-up show, we talked about everyone's favorite moments. So let's talk about what, I'll go backwards, I'll make Al the top dog, so I'll go backwards with a dog and start with Buck. 
Now, what is Buck's favorite? Uh, what's you know your favorite moment on the show for Buck Bundy? Well, who you want? To I start? mean, I, I I would probably have to go with when he turns into a damn person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was something. It's creepy, man. <laughs> yeah, looking into the eyes of that thing was really weird. Now, Jerry already gave his answer on the first season wrap-up. He apparently skipped ahead and watched a couple from season two. So I'm going to see if he remembers his answer now, Jerry. What did you say? I don't know. I wonder if it's still... No, it can't be. It definitely is not the same because I think at that point I had not gotten far enough in the season as to what my answer is now. Okay, let's say Go ahead. My answer now is him chewing on the shoe at Christmas. Ooh, yeah! Last time you said it was when he was banging all the bitches. Yeah. Oh, that, that I actually watched that episode today, and it was—it's one of those episodes that I could definitely go back and watch because the humor in it is very, very just fun and easy. Right. But him chewing on the Christmas shoe is his best moment. Is just—it makes me feel like Christmas is here. Yeah, it does give you that warm feeling. <laughs> okay, well, Justin says when he's a half human, you say chewing on Santa's high top Reebok. <laughs> and I say it's when Peggy's relatives came over and they said, We're famished, and he ran upstairs. Oh, that was good uh, too. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> Okay, now uh, Marcy Rhodes. Uh, okay, obviously the thing to talk about for us in particular is that interview with her. That's my favorite moment of season two with her. But yeah, yeah. But of course we're gonna get to the show. But uh, let's just reflect really quick before we do, uh, guys. So uh, that interview, like, can you imagine that we just started this show this year, and by the second season's reviews, we already landed a major major cast member of marriage children if you were to rank the 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 key cast members in terms of importance obviously al would be the first correct right yeah would you say katie seagal for the second Mm -hmm. all right now what about the third i i think it's marcy i'm not talking about how hard they are to get either take that out of no no i, I think say that they were equally hard to get let's say christina applegate was just as hard to get as as uh amanda beers would would you say that marcy is is third tier third third place yeah i think she played like because the thing is when it like the kids get better later in the show marcy was good and important from the get-go yeah, and she becomes more important to the universe of Mary Children as time goes on. She became a producer, a director, you know, like a, she had a lot of involvement. And, of course, she had enough creative involvement or or say that it caused a rift between her and Ed O'Neill to the point where by, you know, season probably halfway through 10 into 11, all of 11, they just had – they just – constantly argued or something you know and <sighs> it got to the point where although the show was good she said if you were a fly on the wall during season 11 you would know why there were no there was no season 12 or they didn't even want to bother with a goodbye show that's how much friction was caused because she became too important and i guess ed o'neill 
Uh, who knows? I, you can't really judge any of this because we don't even know. Yeah, we don't we don't know enough details to to say who's wrong or right, or if there even right. is anybody that's wrong or right. And maybe it's just you know a lot. It was a long process of of making eleven seasons of a show, and and it's just you know you kind of get done with it. Yeah, and you got to think how how amazing is that that we don't fully know what happened. No one has talked about it. I, I didn't know that it wasn't canceled. I figured it would have been canceled or like they they decided to give I didn't know that it like kind of ended because of, you know, goings on on the set. Yeah, yeah. Huh. It, yeah, just too much. But I could see that, man. I mean, think about it. Look at all these bands who can't even say the Beatles hated each other by the time they were doing Let It Be. You know, and that was only eight years. I just listened to Travis Barker's book, um, the drummer from Blink-182. Yeah. And, like, they barely stayed together at all. And even when they got back together after Travis almost died in that plane crash, right? it only lasted, like, a year. <sighs> they keep on ruining that band. They had so much momentum going. It's yeah. season two, and y'all, are, y'all have been trying to kick me off since season one. <laughs> but we're going to get it done on four, and we're going to have an excuse. <laughs> we're going to say, look, the the show itself freshened up around season five. I think we have to do that. <laughs> the people will 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 email you and start a petition for me to come back. You think? Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Don't worry. We'll make it happen. So, all right. So let's talk about Marcy now, show-wise. No more Amanda Burst. Let's talk about Marcy herself. I mean, Marcy the character. <laughs> to me, like, that's the real person. Now, her standout episodes are obviously Girls Want to Have Fun, Guys and Dolls, Razor's Edge. Impotent. Impotent, Razor's Edge, yep. So she has a, she has a good pile of uh, episodes she's important in. So what is your favorite moment, uh, Justin? Um, I, I seem, I, I mean, I really liked... Razor's Edge. I liked Impotent as well, but I, I liked Razor's Edge for Marcy. I think that I think that that battle of like her, like isn't that the episode where she like takes off her robe and then she's yeah. all like, yeah, yeah, trench coat. Yeah, I thought that was uh, I thought that was like a standout moment for her because it, it it just I feel like that kind of just duality with her character where where she's like feminist, but then she's like willing to just just give in to that a little bit is kind of her. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think that's probably my favorite episode with her. Time to pull out the big gun sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> How about you, Jerry? It's her reacting to the speech Al gives her an impotent <laughs> at the end of it when she's like yelling at him for being a pig and he's like, but you're going to take the advice. And she's like, yes. I just thought that even when she has to come to Al for advice, gets good advice she still has to, like, make sure she throws that one last punch. <laughs> but she's still going to put her tail between her legs and, and walk away at the end of it. Because she learned her lesson in season one. She knows she's got to be straightforward when it comes to Al. Yes, you do. Uh, my favorite, uh, I do this a lot. I go for the typical answer. Because sometimes they just really do showcase their stuff when they really get that platform. And I think it is... Uh, Girls just want to have fun. Like, I think what I liked about it most, though, is not necessarily, like, her performance throughout the whole thing or anything like that. 
I really liked her wild side. I think it's like the first time we saw her wild side, mm-hmm. right? You know, to I think she was. It just shows that she could get down like that, and she's cool that way, and she's like really sexual, so that's pretty cool. And it was just to, it was just such a fun episode, just so funny with the construction worker and the Zorro and all these guys. So uh, I don't know, I really, and the cowboy. That's just like hilarious to me, and it's a great premise: losing your ring down a stripper's pants and <laughs> having to, you know. Or did she? No, she did not. As we, <laughs> we talked about and screen capped and posted on our Facebook page that she, when she pulled her hand back out of his pants, you could see that ring pop out. Now, she, we asked her about that. Jerry himself said to Amanda Burst, did you know that that happened? And she had zero recollection. So <clears throat> her ring popped out. She turned around, sat down. They yelled, cut. And nobody ever came up to her and said, hey, listen, the... Uh, Here's that ring. It fell. It actually fell, but it don't matter. Nobody could see that stuff. Like nobody even said that. So that's interesting. So uh, we heard it from the horse's mouth. She never knew that she did that, and you would have never learned that information otherwise. So stick around. Now Steve. Steve is the man of the minute. Steve had some standout episodes: The Razor's Edge, Impotent. Uh, I guess he was a key point in Girls Just Want to Have Fun. Also. And he had the big episode with Al, If I Were a Rich Man. That's about it. Uh, Father Load, I guess you could say, is a good episode for him. So uh, let's go to Jerry first this time, Jerry. What is your your favorite character? What is his standout moment on season two? Having a beard. <laughs> Just him having a beard. But that that entire episode, because I think it shows, it shows us the duality we've been seeing in Steve where... He gets influenced by Al and how that's changing him episode per episode and slowly becoming more and more and more, which like when I pointed out that Impotent has the same plot that is the plan of Al and girls just want to have fun. At the beginning of the season, he bitched out and didn't do it. But by the end of the season in Impotent, he did it. He 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 did a, uh, an Al plan. And the Razor's Edge is kind of right in the middle where we have him standing up for his beard and trying to stay strong, looking at a picture of Al's mother-in-law and it just did not work. He, he, he eventually broke because um, I don't know what it is about Marcy, but he is all about it. I'm you. What do y'all guys think it is about Marcy that he just, loses sexually is she like the only chick that's let him ever do anal or something that like he's <laughs> like that he's like she'll let me do that no one else lets me do that because you gotta think like uh we just uh alex just talked about how crazy marcy was and girls just want to have fun which by the way alex that originally was my answer i literally had her hey. wild side in girls just want to have fun yeah it's great you you have like all these like either her being deep and dark like saying some shit pinhead would say in Hellraiser <laughs> yes or I love, I love those moments <laughs> yeah or or her like being very sexual dressing like Bo Peep dressing like a hooker you have all this stuff and it's just like man she must be fantastic in bed because Steve couldn't hold out what what did we how long did he hold out like a week. On top of the week he was gone, so he had maybe two weeks. Wow. 
that he couldn't that he just could not go two weeks no i guess not so i just think it's crazy yeah no she there are, she's gonna do things in the future that will definitely lead you to believe that she is amazing and bet she just brings all the passion and she's just way into it man mm-hmm. uh yeah so that's something to look forward to and it'll as the show goes on it gets crazier and that all comes out so hold on what, what are we on marcy or steve Steve. We're on Steve right now. <laughs> I feel like I just... that went into Marcy. <laughs> well, Steve always goes into Marcy. Whoa. <laughs> uh, Mr. Mike went into Marcy. Yeah, but uh, yeah, Steve having a beard. That's my favorite Steve moment. How about you, Justin? Uh, I got to like couple it kind of like Jerry did a little bit. Like my favorite moments are are when Steve gets rebellious and I love the Steve beard uh, dynamic in Razor's Edge, but – uh, and, and and even the last line or the last line in um, girls just want to have fun. So you lost your ring down Zoro's pants. Yeah, that's the line I'm talking about. Yeah, not the one that you performed where you go. I don't know. It says it for you. <laughs> Man, that's cringy to me, dude. I'm sorry. <laughs> I can't. Uh, I can't. I don't like hearing myself do that. I went back and listened to that because they said that I did best. Yeah, and I was like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what are they listening to? Um, but, and, uh, I like, uh, I like impotent too, honestly. Yeah. Like, like, uh, I like, I like that you find out that it's this sinister plan. That's probably my favorite. Yeah. That reveal is, uh, it's tough to top. I'm going to go, although I thought it was, cra- you know, it's crazy, but if, it, if we, if we like treat it real life, that's crazy impotent. But yeah, as a show, oh yeah. I mean, it's so awesome to. To get Marcy to do all this crazy stuff, have the wife of your dreams, and and then um, it's all this plot that Al cooked up and makes it cool. And it's cooler that Steve went along with this, you know, harebrained scheme. So it's just like perfect. So yeah, mine's also impotent that whole thing. Uh, okay, so let's move on to Kelly Bundy, guys. Kelly Bundy, the daughter of Alan Pegg is really coming into her own in season two. Uh, she has a lot of, like, compared to season one, oh my god, this was so much better. Like, the most you got out of that, in the episode Married Without Children, when Steve and Marcy watch her, like, that was, and she has the party at their house, that was, like, her big sort of moment in that season. But, yeah, she's really uh, blossomed in, in char- character-wise here. So... Uh, Jerry, what's your favorite moment for Kelly Bundy in season two? I, and I'm worried I might have the exact same one as Justin, but it's, uh, her reaction to finding out about John from Winker County. <laughs> That's, I mean, I, man, with, Ke- I think I might have struggled <laughs> with Kelly the most because I didn't have any that like super stood out to me and it came down to this one. And the way she acted in For Whom the Bell Tolls. And I ended up going with this one because her facial expressions when she, like, realizes what might be was just fantastic. Well, just remind everybody about For Whom the Bell Tolls. What was uh, the aspects of that that you liked? So For Whom the Bell Tolls, you have her freaking out about the phone, her sitting on the stairs and kind of like just – shaking back and forth uh 
you have Bud pulling the trick on her where he rings the <laughs> bell for the bike and she runs down thinking it's there and it's not. And then her saying she was going to go live on the streets <laughs> uh, until until uh, they got a phone or she got married. <laughs> Amazing. How about you, Justin? Is that your answer? It, I, I mean, it, it was, but I think that I, I'll just mention something else just to you know keep the keep the show flowing. I like the uh, the the moments that we have in the episode. Uh, how do you spell revenge? I believe, which yeah. is the uh, tattoo, because mm-hmm. uh, I thought that was like a a good like actual Kelly centric episode, which which we haven't got a ton of during you know this season and and especially season one i I like that she had a little um conflict and stuff yeah i forgot i should have mentioned her standout episodes are uh how do you spell revenge and the great escape looking around doesn't uh (laughs) you 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 could say peggy loves out yeah yeah nah she just had a moment yeah it wasn't big the 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 great escape um one was good too but the the one that jerry mentioned where she finds out about her what was it the cousin at the feed store or something yeah oh man that is great that is that that, that's that might be one of my favorite moments of the entire show because they just it's like an incest joke you know what i mean like that's funny to me (laughs) We should we should make like screen cap that face palm and meme that and yeah. say when you find out and then make up something new every time. Yeah. When you find out, Marrow Children podcast is taking off for one week. Yep. Oh. Okay, so my uh, favorite Kelly moments has to be probably when she's so dumb that she's believing Bud. With all the Gilligan things, and you know <laughs> Dude, that was great. Yeah, and she's writing reports on the Adams family. <laughs> you know, in this one they really had a song. <laughs> you know, and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, those are great Kelly moments. Now let's get to Bud. Uh, his standout kind of moments really are master the possibilities when he get all that stuff on Buck's credit card, and he had two girls at one time, which in the Bundy. Uh, family that's a double date uh justin what is your favorite bud moments of the season uh definitely has to be like one of his quick quick witted lines on kelly like uh i always think of the grass stain one. Oh god yeah and then the um the 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 virgin at the ta- they were at the table and what did, what did he do you guys remember what he said oh y'all are only making fun of me because i'm the only virgin here <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah, I like that one. Cherry still uses that line. <laughs> <laughs> Hold up, I'm contemplating my virginity. <laughs> now, uh, actually, you picked mine for your Kelly. I thought that that scene was hilarious. I gave Bud the telling his sister that Robin Crusoe is Gilligan's Island, you know, and he's like, a three hour tour. You got to say it twice. It's important. Three hour tour. A three-hour tour. Yeah, I just th- I just thought that was hilarious. Like, there's so many like Bud, and this season really shines at the 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 comeback lines. I didn't feel like he ever got like his own storyline in here. He's like um, he's like a little Jerry. I mean, yeah, when he was pulling those two chicks, he pulled that well, other chick on the that. Valentine's saying, Day uh... thing. I uh, now look at him complimenting himself. And let's not forget about the uh, penthouse moment. That was great. Yeah, that was a good visual gag. 
Yeah, that's that's one of my favorites. Him <laughs> going downstairs to search for Al's money in Father Load, and then he comes upstairs. He's like, "Uh, I'm gonna go upstairs. I'm tired." And it, it's like, down- it, doesn't it feel like it's like like 4:30 p.m. or something? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, he's tired. <laughs> so uh, he had that penthouse I talked about that I bought January 1986 in the down stuff down the back of his jeans and it's sticking out over his shirt because he's so we learned this year that he's amazing at hiding things like when he hid the tang jar and it was it looked like a chest burster from alien jerry said oh <laughs> <laughs> well, he gets it from his dad because his dad sucks at hiding stuff too yeah that's that's what we do find out so yeah they these guys have no idea how to hide anything yeah my favorite bud moments a lot came from the great escape, like when he was just destroying Kelly in the beginning of that whole thing with the report card and this, that, the other thing. And of course, like I said, she came back with the lover's lane stuff. But, you know, sometimes you got to uh, fight fire with fire, I guess. And, you know, she did. But uh, that was just some great stuff. And OK, so Peg Bundy standout episode, pretty much just Alley of the Dolls. And if you want to throw in Master of the Possibilities with Buck's credit card, you can. Peggy loves Al. I wouldn't say that was a highlight of hers, but it's something. And uh, I guess another highlight episode of hers would be um, Just Married with Children on the Game Show episode. That seemed to be revolving around her since Al took all the torture. So, uh, Jerry, uh, what is your standout peg moment? I can't get over the mouse story from Build a Better Mousetrap. I, I just, I, I had a bunch of different answers. I kept coming back to that one. She thought it was a chihuahua and it was a mouse <laughs> and they made fun of her for having worms in her hair. Where's the little mouse girl? There, there, there. Wow. I, I I just have to go back to that because just the way she tells that little like story and then ends it with that song kind of was just I, I love that. Wow, that it was disturbing. How about you, Justin? I feel like she didn't really have like a, like because for being such a main, it's almost like Stephen Marcy had more like standout episodes than than Peg did, and I just come back to like her like sex points like because i think that's where she's like best is when she's like trick like she gets the sex point for like manipulating al i I like when she's cunning like she's not very cunning but sometimes usually when it involves sex she can be a little cunning so uh i'll go with that that's funny because my favorite is when she ran down the stairs and slammed the door when tiffany was trying to leave the house and she's like stay forever (laughs) <laughs> and then runs back upstairs. Like, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Because she's finally getting sex with Al, like, on a regular basis, because Al keeps checking out Tiffany and getting all worked up and taking out on her. So <clears throat> we're going to end off the greatest, uh, our favorite moments with a character with Al Daniel Bundy. So now his standout episodes are If I Were a Rich Man, um, for whom the bell tolls, born to walk, build a better mousetrap for sure. Build a better mousetrap. Better watch out, because he played Santa. Uh, Master the possibilities. Peggy loves Al. He was, you know, obviously a big part of that. And just married with children. The game show one. Father load, obviously. So where are we going with that, Justin? 
What is the episode where Al loses his license? Uh, Born to Walk. Born to Walk. For some reason, I think of that one. I really, li- I really like that episode. It, it, it's like Al Bundy in an episode, you know, where like t- towards the end, where he's like, "It's gonna win," or so. Like he knows that it's gonna win because it's just his luck, you know. And uh, I think I, I think I like that moment the best. Doctor Footwear. Yeah, <laughs> Doctor Footwear. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Jerry, what is your favorite Al Bundy highlight of season two? The speech Al gives Steve and girls just want to have fun part two when he's giving her the ring and he's just like, and when you, when you tell her, you tell her you got the ring from me. Like, <laughs> cause I rewatched, um, uh, the first, I watched all the way to from who in the belt holes today. Just, I had it in the background when I was doing a bunch of stuff around the house today. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I went with this speech. Nice. Yeah, both great choices. All great choices so far. Well, I'll finish it off with a controversial statement for you two. Uh, it's Earth Angel. I loved <laughs> I love his uh, reaction to women a lot. Um, I, I think I'm, I probably picked in season one, my favorite was him and Luke's apartment with with the girls. Um, in this season, my favorite is him with Tiffany, like his reaction starting from welcome home, Tiff, uh, all the way to even him reacting to her, her not being there anymore. <laughs> like everything, but obviously the, the highlight is the way he acted even in front of Peg where he says, well, uh, bud, get a blanket and a pillow for the couch so your mother will be comfortable. And you're, oof, I mean, so so Tiffany will be comfortable. Like, all that kind of stuff <laughs> is just classic greatness. And it, it just makes me so happy to watch. I don't know. It's just, like, amazing. So, <clears throat> all right, guys, that was our uh, central character favorite moments of the season uh, segment of this season two wrap-up show for Married Children on the Married Children podcast brought to you by No Ma'am. No Ma'am will be right back to wrap up this week's review. Be sure to join their Facebook group page for all the podcast news and updates. Just type in www.facebook.com slash groups slash Married with Children podcast. Be sure to subscribe to them on iTunes and please leave a review telling them what you think of the show. To subscribe to their YouTube channel, just go to channels and search up Married with Children podcast. You can email them at marriedwchildrenpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for checking out this review. Now the guys are going to give their final thoughts and ratings of this week's episode. Uh, every end of the episode, we always rate the episode. So, uh, you know, we have all of our ratings here and things like that. What we're going to do is we're going to give you the top three favorite episodes from each of us and our two least favorite for season two. So let's go in the same order that we always go to even for ratings. So... Justin, what are your top three episodes of season two? Uh, do you want to do worst first so we don't end on a bad note? Yeah, well, I think we said that last time. How come I never remember? <laughs> <laughs> okay, what are your least two favorite episodes? 
All right. Oh, and by the way, there is actually – you say that we go in the same order that we rate. Did you know that there's one episode where you went to Jerry first? Was it – well, yeah, was it uh, The Razor's Edge? I believe it was in the first season. Oh. Huh. It was probably it was a like Steve-centered episode. <laughs> Yeah, but I, I always remembered that because I at first I was like, oh, maybe he's going to go back and forth now. And then you just never went back and forth. You just went back to me forever. I'll tell you what. Whoever finds the answer to that question, what is the one episode where I went to Jerry first for ratings? You win a No Ma'am t-shirt. Nice. Great, great little piece of Married with Children podcast trivia. I like it. Yep. So the first person I will... Uh, screen cap. I'll do whatever necessary to let you to let everybody know that it's been answered. Uh, it'll be in our Facebook group page. So whoever answers first gets that T-shirt. Um, okay, so go ahead. Give us your least favorite episodes of season two. Well, my least favorite uh, this season is uh, interesting because I actually didn't rate a single episode under a three this season. Where I did have a two point five last season so just look judging by my ratings um my threes judging by my three threes i had three of them um i'm probably gonna have to go with uh the the first one that i don't like uh my my first least favorite is uh the buck centric episode Uh, i don't really remember a whole lot about that episode and i think that's probably because it's a little forgettable um, besides that image of, <laughs> of, <laughs> of the, that's the only thing I remember from that episode. And then, uh, my second least favorite episode is, um, guys and dolls. And really the only thing that I remember from that episode is them going outside and like the weird look to it and like music, I think. Right. And that's like all I remember from that episode. So those are, those are my lo- two least favorite episodes from this season, but I still, at the time, didn't think that they were necessarily bad episodes. Uh, yes. So I rate two episodes this season. I rated a two point five. <laughs> the first being Earth Angel, which I um, do. You stand by that? Uh, yeah, I do. I, I Earth Angel was just a little too cringy for me, and a little too on the nose. I just don't see myself going back and watching it. But I do have to say, I I think Fatherload was the worst episode from a technical standpoint. <laughs> I also gave it a 2.5. I had a lot of issues with the writing. I had a lot of issues <laughs> just in general with, with that episode. So uh, Earth Angel and Fatherload win it for me. Wow. Hmm. <laughs> okay. My two least favorite episodes are... Mouse Trap is one, and trust me, guys, I do realize it's just a dumb, fun episode. Uh, you know, a lot of people in the feedback were saying that they really do like that one, and it's 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 a good, you know, it's a standout one for them. Um, yeah, you know, I'm not acting like I'm some like intellectual whatever where I have to be intellectually stimulated by great dialogue or great writing or anything, and not just cartoonish. Uh, you know, scenery. Uh, but I guess with this show, that stuff strikes me the most. I don't know. At least at this point of the show, it does. You know, slapstick is not really what I'm looking for when I watch Mary with Children. 
So, uh, yeah, it's like probably my least favorite. Uh, and then the other one is Peggy Loves Al. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just think, I don't know, especially, like I said, when you're making a, people call into the show to vote, that I think it definitely, if you're going to get them to be so interactive, you should have had a way stronger written episode. Um, so, yeah, those are my two. So, back to Justin for your top three favorite uh, so, uh, these can kind of be swapped around they're all rated the same. And, and I think that these are my three favorite, um, even though I had four total, f- uh, episodes that were all rated this, um, I gotta go with, uh, I mean, I guess, I guess we rated it as a full episode, right? The girls just want to have fun episode. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one that really sticks out in my memory. Like the, especially after that Amanda Beers interview where we, uh, talked about the ring and stuff and the ring become became like sort of a joke and, and we kind of uh, you know referenced that episode a lot and it just sticks out in my mind as is one of the fun ones from the from the season and uh, of course um, you got you got Marcy doing good stuff in that one and uh, the last the last line is is great the next one is uh, how do you spell revenge which is uh, the one where the Al tries to replace Peg on the baseball team because she sucks. You got the good uh, tattoo thing going on. And I actually think that one of the cooler moments, and I didn't mention this when Al was, uh, when we talked about Al's uh, best moments, but the, the moments that you have between like him and Kelly, like I think we all mentioned that that was kind of a. Yeah, when he threw her the uh, fruit. Yeah. Uh, so that episode, and then my number one is the Razor's Edge. I just think that episode has <laughs> has everything there. Uh, it's a really really fun episode. Wow, great choices. Girls just want to have fun. How do you spell revenge? And the Razor's Edge, all top notch episodes. I already know Jerry's picks. Well, there's one where he doesn't maybe remember, but he said he would actually give it a six. <laughs> out of five if he could so I, I hope he was so serious that day that he definitely has that as his number one of all so let's see what he says go ahead jerry what is your top three favorite season two number three impotent um i th- I, I think having the the reveal the, and originally <sighs> like <sighs> uh jerry you do realize that's the one jerry. Or impotent as my number you three. gave it a six. That should be your number one. It's it's it is really it's... really good, but on reviewing today and going over them, I I, I put it at at part three just because wow. it's closer to losing Steve. This is part of <laughs> what the, the hell? What listen, logic is that? Listen, this is part of the the turn where we start losing Steve. He's becoming so much like Al that eventually him and Marcy can no longer work because Marcy is stubborn and won't like let him be a man. And wow. I I do I love Impotent. It is such a good one, especially now that I I go back to the girls just want to have fun episode. I think that makes Impotent even better. Um, but impotence number three, um, number two, you better watch out. I, uh, <laughs> I loved the dark and depressing atmosphere of that entire episode. Cause it's a Christmas episode and it should be dark and depressing. And it was, but 
listening to our podcast on that episode, I was literally like, by the end of that show, I was like, man, I can't wait for Christmas. <laughs> I was so excited for Christmas. It's a fun episode. And even though I was wrong on that episode about the whole Santa Claus falling thing. Oh, good. You do realize that. Yes. Yeah, I was wrong. I was I was wrong both times. I, I questioned you on this show. I was wrong both times. You right. should know better, man. <laughs> I'm a maniac. You got to let me make these mistakes, man. You just got to let me go out there and do it. I'll never learn. So how did you feel when you saw that you were wrong? Not because of us, but how did you feel like you were like, what? Why did in the world? I was just like, it's one of those times where I was just like, man, I watched this episode twice. <laughs> how did I, how did I screw that up so bad? You were so sure too. I, yeah, I was, was so sure. I was a hundred percent there. <laughs> I, and I'm like, I'm like, maybe both times I was taking a note when they were <laughs> doing. I'm like, I bet I was taking the note as they turned like up. Oh, they don't even see him fall. And <laughs> yeah, he's writing it down. They're all looking. Exactly. <laughs> That's great. And then number one is uh, like JP, the razor's edge. That is, I think, such a good episode for Steve because it's right in the middle. It's half Mar. It's half the Marcy Steve and half the Al Steve, right? And and I love it. And I love Steve in, in a beard and flannel. <laughs> I'm gonna put it out there. He's the brawny man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Let's see. So let's review that. Impotent. You better watch out. And Razor's Edge again. All top quality episodes. We know our stuff. Uh. All right. Well. My three favorite episodes of season two are, I'll, I'll say, I'll put it at number three. I didn't really have an order, but I guess I could do that. I, it's uh, You Better Watch Out. That's my third favorite of the year. It's just so good. And I remember growing up, I used to think that was the lesser of the two main Christmas ones I was really... Uh, you know they they did a lot actually, but more down the road during like those um, stranger seasons, like in eight, nine, ten, eleven, they did more Christmas stuff. But the two big ones are are this one and the Sam Kennison one. And I, and of course, since this didn't have Sam, I always felt that it's a little lesser. But as I really gave it better look, no, it's no lesser, just because it or it's not any less great, I should say, because Sam Kennison's not in it, but. It is just amazing. There's not a thing that's missing from that episode. So You Better Watch Out is my first uh, of the three. So that's my third favorite one of uh, the season. My second favorite is Earth Angel. (laughs) (laughs) So, So your favorite, Jerry's least favorite. Wow. Amazing, right? Uh, yeah, that's just a jam-packed episode. Everything I've already stated about Al's reactions, the whole, the way the whole town worked, the way the people came into the yard and paid Al to work there, the way Steve became infatuated with her and was calling her and stuff, like, and Marcy being jealous because she stopped getting, like, Steve stopped having sex with Marcy when this girl came around, and everybody else started having sex with their creepy gross wives. So it's such a funny, weird thing that how that happened. 
I gotta say, my first favorite, this is gonna really, like, shock you guys, it's how do you spell revenge? <laughs> I don't know. That was just always something I just thought was amazing. Uh, starting with the baseball stuff, and then Kelly, and Brian, and the, to top it off with Jimmy, and then the description of his wife when Al goes there to hit him with the baseball bat. I mean, it was just like the perfect episode, and I, I laugh so much, and I love that kind of weird stuff. I mean, it's interchangeable, though. I could bounce around between that, Earth Angel, or Better Watch Out. So, But for now, I pick that one. So, guys, we have a lot to look forward to. We accomplished a lot. We have reviewed 22 episodes for Season 2, 13 for Season 1. That's a total of about 67 episodes, I think. So... Um, Wait, did you just say a total of 67 episodes? Wait a minute here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't got uh, Justin's magic calculator. I, I was going to say, I think uh, it would be <laughs> like 35. It's 35, yeah. Yeah. That's so yeah. off. <laughs> Dude, I was just kidding. Oh, come on. You guys don't like that kind of dummy humor? Where you that, that was a joke? Yes. <sighs> Man. I was just waiting to see when you guys would catch it. Wow, that was almost as bad as Earth Angel. Whoa! <laughs> now he's critiquing my jokes. Uh, so yeah, guys, we're on a f- we're like Star Trek. We're on a five year mission here, and it's uh, eleven seasons of Marrow Children, and we knocked down two so far. And it's been a great time. We started the first week of January two thousand seventeen on a thirty, basically almost on a thirty year anniversary of when the show started. So that's really kind of perfect. Now, season three, guys, here's what you have to look forward to. Here are the episodes we are going to watch and review in the coming weeks. He Thought He Could, I'm Going to Sweatland, Poke High, The Camping Show, A Dump of My Own, Her Cups Runneth Over, which I believe is the big controversial episode where the uh, woman in Wisconsin wrote the letter and it made the ratings just go through the roof the bald and the beautiful the gypsy cried requiem for a dead barber i'll see you in court eaten out my mom the mom can't dance don't ask me a three job no income family the harder they fall the house that peg lost married with prom queen part one and two The Dateless Amigo, The Computer Show, Life's a Beach, and Here's Looking at You, Kid. Wow. Yeah, there's a a few that sound really interesting to me in there. Dude, as I was looking through this, I was literally like, I wanted to cry in happiness. (laughs) Nice. Oh my god. Like, I'm looking at some of these, like the preview pictures, and I'm like, man, these are insanely amazing. This is the going to be the greatest. Uh, is it going to be the oh. greatest season of Married with Children podcast ever? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, we made we made season one work, and that you know we made good shows out of that. Uh, this this is almost like moron proof, and if we ruin this, we are we should just stop and uh, sell the rights to the show. <laughs> So, yep, that's it, guys. So, uh, what do you guys have to say to end out Season 2? What are you looking forward to in Season 3? 
I want to see I want to see more Bud. I want to see more Bud going after chicks um, because they started playing with that in season two, and now it's time to really put that up. Um, I'm looking for more Steve, always more Steve, and th- th- that's the two biggest that I want out of season three. Hmm. Uh, so I'm curious on a few things. I'm curious on the uh, double episode, the uh, two-parter. Uh, I always like those. Those seem those seem to have like the most amount of story sometimes. Oh, it's a solid one. I'm also curious on the episode, I'll See You in Court. For some reason, it says the air date is in 2002. Okay. Wow. I'm so glad you brought that up. I was just about to. It's because that is called the lost episode. Whoa. Oh, yeah. Um, cool. If you look at the description, it says right here, in the infamous lost episode, Alan Pegg learned they have been videotaped getting inmate intimate at. Oh, <laughs> oh, my God. Why did they say inmate? <laughs> I, I, we've been up. To, it's very late, guys. We've been in the nudie bar for hours. We are all so tired. It's hot in here. It's very hot. Uh, getting intimate at a sleazy motel. The same thing has also happened to Steve and Marcy. They decide to take the matter to court. Nice. This sounds very interesting. That's cool. And then uh, the other one that I'm very interested in is the episode that started the Terry Ricolta boycott campaign. Yeah, I know. I can't wait to see that. We should we should all like judge if we think it's too far. <laughs> if they took it too far. Yeah. <laughs> So those are the, some of the ones I'm interested in. Uh, I would like to see more Bud as well, and um, of course more Steve. Like I, I know that Jerry is the Steve fanboy, but uh, I think as of right now, Steve is my favorite character. Wow, look at you! That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, right as coattails. Go ahead. <laughs> no, it's okay. This is a bandwagon you should jump on. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, my things i'm looking forward to the most are he thought he could i'm going to sweatland the gypsy cried eaten out the harder they fall the computer show So season three then yeah <laughs> so just everything in season three yeah uh from the first to the last yep all right guys well that was it uh time to leave the nudie bar no matter how much we wish we could just stay here as you know some of us sleep here i won't say any names but uh yeah so guys thanks for listening to the season two wrap-up show with us no ma'am on the married with children podcast remember to tell all of your friends who have ever mentioned they like married with children in any way shape or form please tell them about our show maybe they'll check it out maybe they'll dig it and the community just keeps getting bigger you know we need uh more honorary members of no ma'am well, see you next week. Guys, keep it Steve out there. Keep it Steve. See you later. <laughs>